0: I have been super fired up to preach, not today, Satan, but I'm as equally excited about this series, Encounter. Some of you don't realize and understand the depths of this truth that one moment in the presence of God can change your life. One moment in the presence of God can change your situation. And I just, my, my heart's desire is I just... Through prayer and seeking God, and coming into this year, I just felt the Lord impressing upon my heart. Herbert, I want you to help my people encounter my presence. What they need is found in my presence. And here's what I have. I have learned as I have interacted with our people's church families, I've been afforded the opportunity to speak around the nation and interact with God's people. I have learned that a lot of people, including Christians, don't know how to encounter God's presence. A lot of Christians don't know how to live in the presence of God. They don't know how to invite God's presence into their life, into their daily life and live with it every day. And because they don't know how, because they're unsure, there are so many privileges and benefits that they're forfeiting. And so I really believe this is going to be a game changing series for so many people. Some of you think it's the job or the money or the connection or the hookup that's going to make the difference. And I'm telling you, it's God's presence. So this series is going to really help us. I'm excited to begin the series next week. There are invite cards on your seat. I believe Christian, unbelievers, all of us, I really believe it's going to help us take steps forward in living in the presence of God. And thinking about God's presence, when I think about having an encounter with God, I think about this summer for our students. My, My kids, their favorite thing during the summer is the week at youth camp. No joke. My kids, they're talking about it already. It's marked on the calendar. We have to plan our schedule around the youth camp. And can I encourage all of our parents with teenagers at all of our locations, can I encourage you, plan your summer schedule, shift your summer schedule if you have to, to get your student at youth camp. It's that kind of encounter with God every night. Powerful services with youth, teenagers encountering God's Presence. they're going to have a lot of fun there's a, there's all kind of water activities and extreme sports activities meeting other godly young people listen it will be a game changer for your student and right now is the early bird registration so all parents get your student signed up in the lobby you're going to thank me that you did when they come back on fire for jesus christ like never before because of our youth camp i, I believe in the power of prayer And I'm so grateful for people that are praying and some of you don't realize this and I want to make you aware of. Starting last Sunday during the 9 o'clock service, there are people that are committed to pray during that service for an hour and 10 minutes. During the 10.30 service starting last Sunday and even today, there are people that are committed to pray during the service. They're praying in a room right now seeking God's face. During this 12 o'clock service, there are people praying and seeking God's face, interceding for this service. How many of you realize prayer, the battle is won in prayer? Jesus said, my house will be called... A house of prayer, and I need more of you praying. I need more of you going after God. If you'll see one of our pastors, you say, Pastor, count on me. I'll serve at the 9 o'clock or wherever they need me to serve, and then I'll worship in one of the services, and I'm going to pray for the other service. I need my prayer warriors to pray during the services. God's calling us to higher levels, and the battle's won in prayer. If you'll see one of our pastors, they'll tell you exactly where the prayer room is so that you could be praying during one of the services every single story how many of you know miracles happen when we pray? Oh, okay, you didn't hear your pastor. I said, how many know miracles happen when we pray? Breakthrough happens when we pray. Come on. God moves when we pray. Matter of fact, I had a man text me this week in our church. He texted me and he said, Pastor, during the deeper night prayer service, my leg. And my ankle was healed. I heard it way back in high school, but God touched me that night during that service because people have been praying and fasting and seeking God. And testimonies are flooding in. And I want to hear, listen, I want to hear what God's doing in your life. I want to hear how God's moving through the prayer and fasting season or how he moved to the deeper night. He healed your, he healed your body during the miracle service. Or maybe it's during, you're giving through the miracle offering. The Bible says we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony, would you let me hear your testimony? I, I'm just so blessed and encouraged and strengthened to know what God's doing in your life. You can send it to my story at peopleschurch.tv. My story at peopleschurch.tv. Anybody got a little story just to shame the devil with? Come on, that you can come on. I said anybody got a little story to shame the devil with around here. Come on. God's been good to you, God showed up in your life. What a great God we serve. Let's keep praying and seeking God. Matter of fact, church, I'm calling a special prayer meeting. What's well, quiet in this church today? On Deeper Night at 6.30 p.m., I need you at all campuses. We're going to pray and seek God for 30 minutes before that Deeper Night service. Get your kids, pick them up. There will be pizza here, but we're going to call on the name of Jesus Christ because, listen, the most important thing we're going to do in the month of March is pray. I need you here. Mark your calendar. I don't see enough pens and paper out right now. Come on, somebody. March the 4th at 6.30 p.m. Commit to be here, and let's seek God's face together. I'm wrapping up the series, Not Today, Satan. Just look at your neighbor before I even start preaching. Just tell them, this is going to be good. You better check it out. You better listen. Come on, just tell them this is going to be good. Come on. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. This this is one of those that God's going to speak to your heart today. Listen, people's church. God has so much more he wants to do in your life. You got to hear me right now because some of you don't believe me. He's got so much more he wants to do through your life and in your life. Listen to me right now, church. You got to hear your pastor. God's got big things for you. He's got things that's going to blow your mind. He's got big things for our church, things that are going to blow our mind. And whenever God has something big for our lives, for our church, there's always a hurdle we have to jump over. There's always a hurdle that stands in between us and our destiny, between us and greatness. And the hurdle we always have to jump over is the hurdle of fear. Fear Fear will cripple you. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will keep you from moving into all the big and wonderful things that God has for your life, what he wants to to do in and through your life. Fear paralyzes so many people. I think about my own life. I'm not over-hyping or being dramatic when I say this. Every time, every time God was once that wanted to do something big in and through my life i always had to jump over the hurdle of fear fear always came every time god was speaking to me about doing something great I can remember graduating from college and feeling like I was supposed to travel full time as an evangelist, an itinerant evangelist to churches and youth camps and conventions and, and didn't, didn't know exactly how it would all work out. And I, I, I was planning on marrying Tiffany and I thought, how am I going to pay the bills? How are we going to eat? How will this work? But I felt something in my heart and I had fear and yet there was faith and there was fear. But I jumped over the hurdle of fear and I followed God and the Lord blessed. I I even think about getting ready to marry Tiffany. I was so scared. I've told you this and and I was just scared. I I thought our marriage wouldn't make it. I'd be a horrible husband. I had so much fear in my heart. Even on our wedding day, I had so much fear. When Tiffany was walking down the aisle, I was literally processing in my mind, Herbert, leave. Herbert, leave. Herbert, get off this altar. Do not marry her. It's not going to work out. Fear was gripping my heart. And I had to jump over the hurdle of fear that day to slide that ring on her finger and to say, I do. Fear, fear. Even to be a daddy. I'm telling you, church, I'm I'm not playing with you. I had so much fear about being a daddy. Will I be will I be a good daddy? Well, I'm going to be an abusive daddy. And, and just some of the trauma that I went through as a kid, I thought, I, I don't know that I can be a good father. Fear gripped my heart and having our first baby was traumatizing to me. I, I mean, I, I was just so gripped with fear, but I jumped over the hurdle of fear. Starting people's church at the age of 26, when God spoke to my wife and I, I was 26. She was 24 when we moved to Oklahoma City to start people's church. Fear. Never been on staff at a church before. Didn't know the inner workings of a church. Had no experience. People telling me you're too young, it'll never work out. And we got the Quail Springs Mall and the movie theater scared starting that church on Mother's Day in 2002. How many know sometimes you just got to do it afraid? You just got to do it afraid. And I I said, I'm not going to let fear stop me. Jumped over the hurdle of fear and started People's Church, buying this 50 acres of land that's on Britain Road. And I I was so scared to do it. I was 28 years old, casting vision in front of the church in the movie theater days, telling them God had more for us, encouraging them to give generously to the work of the Lord. And, you know, they're looking at me thinking, "Mm -hmm, this young preacher going to run off to Hawaii somewhere. You know what I'm saying? But I just did it afraid, I cast vision, and God moved, and we bought this 50 acres and built that first building, and when we started Midwest City and Northwest, I did it afraid, there was fear. I had to jump over the hurdle of fear when we started those campuses. People were telling me, I don't think that'll work. Are you crazy? People are not gonna watch you preach via video? I thought, well, maybe they won't, but they watch television, so let's give it a try. And we started those campuses, and God God has blessed in incredible ways, but I had to jump over the hurdle of fear. Starting the Indianapolis campus, there was so much fear in my heart. Can we do this? It's out of state. Will it really work? I don't know. How will I manage it? How will we do this? Well, I didn't have any other answers. Didn't know how it would exactly work. We started that campus over four years ago, uh, running around 600 people in a middle school, and we did it afraid. We jumped over the hurdle of fear, and lives have been changed. Can I tell you, it doesn't go away. You think, well, Pastor, you're seasoned now. You got this figured out. Fear doesn't come anymore. No, 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 no. Back in November when I stood up in front of you uh, just a few months ago, I was so scared. I prayed hard. I studied so hard. Because, I mean, I'm going to really get up and tell you, we're going to move Indianapolis campus into a building, and we don't have one. And I'm asking you, would you give generously to a building that I know nothing of? And then two weeks later, after casting vision to you, stepping, jumping over my hurdle of fear, God opened a door for this building that we showed you today. But when we started it, we had no idea. We just did it in faith and jumped over fear. (laughs) Friends, can I tell you all throughout the Bible, the most popular four words in your Bible, the most popular four words in your Bible are these four words. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because God knew when he was getting ready to do something audacious, unbelievable, incredible in and through our lives, fear would come. And so over and over and over and over and over again in scripture, the Bible says, do not be afraid. Let me just give you a few examples of this in Genesis chapter 15 in verse number one. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Notice these four words. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And God had promised Abraham a promised child. He had promised him a promised land. Abraham had not seen the child nor the land. He's wondering, God, what are you up to? It's not working out like I thought it would. And God speaks to him. Do not be afraid of the unknown do not be afraid. Exodus chapter 14 verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And this scripture is talking about when Israel came out of 400 years of captivity from the Egyptians and they were now free walking and in front of them was the Red Sea. They looked behind them and the Egyptians army was coming to take them back into bondage and fear gripped their hearts and God used Moses to tell the people this do not be afraid of your enemies fear always will grip your heart when there's a Red Sea moment when there's a breakthrough moment when there's a freedom moment when there's an unbelievable moment fear will grip your heart I look in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 the great leader Moses has died off Joshua, this young leader, emerging leaders wondering, can I really lead God's people to the promised land? Moses is dead. Fear is gripping his heart. And the word of God says in verse number nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. He says to this leader, do not be afraid to lead my people. And in this very moment, at the beginning of this message. Fear has gripped some of your hearts, and God is already whispering these words to you right now. There's a big dream. There's big desires. There's big life change, and God is whispering, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Satan's coming after me, though, God. I feel fear. Not today, Satan. Do. Do not be afraid today i want to give you three areas three areas where we cannot be afraid from the life of noah three areas for you to do the big things god's called you to do for us to do the big audacious things that god has called us to do as a church there are three things three areas where we cannot be afraid area number one is do not be afraid to stand up for god do not be afraid to stand up for God. Let's look at the life of Noah. Let me share some scripture with you out of Genesis chapter number six and verse number five. It says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I have ever made I ever made them. Notice verse eight. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Come on, in all of our locations, everybody shout: the only. Oh, that was weak. Come on, everybody shout. The only. Yeah. Notice this. Notice this. The only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Catch this scripture. The Bible says that Noah was the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Everybody else was filled with evil, wickedness, pride, lust, envy, jealousy, hatred, hatred. Rage, except for one man named Noah. When everybody else was going left, Noah was going right. When everybody else was bowing down to culture, Noah was standing up for God all by himself. And people's church, we all come to a crossroads in life where we will either go forward. And experience the big things that God has for our life or we will go backwards and hinder the big things that God has for our life and oftentimes it will hinge on this one thing your willingness and your ability to stand up for God. I think about this in my own life. I could take you to story after story after story where I had to stand up for God. And when I did, the Lord moved. I think back to my high school years when I gave my life to Christ. And many of you know my story. I I pulled up to the Wewoka football locker room in my Nissan Datsun pickup, painted maroon, with speakers in the back. I was bad back in the day, church. I fly. You know what I'm saying? Boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. I rolled up in there. And I didn't go for church. I didn't go for no fellowship of Christian athletes. I didn't care about Jesus. Do you know why I went? I went for free pizza. <laughs> That's why I believe in outreach. I came to Christ through outreach. That's why we have Easterland. That's why we will have Donut Day. That's why, that's why we'll do Wild World. That's why we'll do Back to the Movies. God reaches people through outreach. And I didn't go there for Jesus. I went there for some pizza. And I sat in that football locker room. And that locker and Todd Thompson, the former kicker for the OU Sooners, shared about Jesus. And here's the part of the story that I want you to catch. I was a senior in high school. Captain on the football team. Being recruited to play college football respected by people as an athlete and the whole football team is there i mean it was packed full of football athletes there that 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 night and something in my mind was messing with me going come on man you You, you, you can't, don't, don't buy into this Jesus stuff. Don't give your life to Jesus. Man, look at everybody's looking at you, everybody's watching, and I'm looking around the room, but something's happening in my heart. But you know what? That night, I didn't care what anybody else thought. I just pushed past my fear and I said, You know what? I don't care what they think. I began to cry, and that night, I stood up for Jesus Christ. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a but God moment that changed the entire trajectory of my life. Because I stood up for Jesus. And then I can remember going off to college my freshman year in the state of Arkansas. And I was there in Arkansas on a, on, on a football scholarship and got there for two days. I Just picture this underclassman, freshman uh, freshman in, in, in college, showing up out of state, don't know anybody, and just trying to get my bearings, want to be like, trying to figure out what to do. And I show up there and go through 2 days The season starts, and, and then all the football players on Friday night, they're going out chasing the girls, going out partying. And I can remember them asking me this, hey, 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 Herb, hey, Coop. Coop, you, you going with it? Come on, man, come on. We're going out partying, man, come on. And I remember I, I was at a crossroads. I'm oh, what do I do? I want them to like me. I want to fit in. But I decided that night, you know what? I I can't go, guys. And I got in my little Mazda MX3 car. I upgraded somebody. Come on, hey, (laughs) upgrade. And I remember riding by myself, going to Burger King, getting that 99-cent Whopper with cheese. (laughs) Bring it back, bring it back! (laughs) But it was a defining moment in my life. Because I stood up for God. And by the middle of my freshman year during football season, some of those football players started to come to church with me. They started calling me Rev. That was my nickname my freshman year. Hey, Rev. Hey, Rev. How you doing, Rev? And I began to win them over to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it all happened at a critical crossroads moment where I said, I am going to stand up for God. And it changed the course of my life. And some of you at a crossroads right now. You're at a crossroads. And some of you, it's with your family and your family's compromising. Biblical values. Your friends are compromising biblical value. They're act, act. They're laughing at you, and saying, "You really believe all that?" I mean, like, you believe the whole Bible is God's word? Really, all of that? Like, like you don't? Know, you think we can't do that, and not, that we have to do this? We have to follow God? Like, really? You go to church every Sunday? You serve? You pray? Really? You don't take all of that? And people are ridiculing you for your convictions, and some of you are about to compromise. Some of you are giving in. Some of you are lowering your standards because of what family and friends are saying, and you going to miss out on the big things that God has for your life you need to stand up just like Noah and say I'm going to serve God if I have to serve God all by myself I will stand on the B-I-B-L-E that's the book for me I will live by the word of God you got to stand up for God for some of you it's it's negativity it's holding you back when you go to work tomorrow when you go to school tomorrow you know them Right when you get there, them are going to say, did you hear? Did you know? That boss? You have to make up your mind. I'm not going to be like everybody else. Matter of fact, some of the problem that I'm talking about is not your coworkers, it's, I didn't say that you did. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And you have to make up your mind that when you get to work, when you get to school tomorrow, you're not going to be negative. You're not going to pull down the environment. You're not going to be a pessimist. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. You decide, I'm going to stand up for God. I will be positive. I will speak life. I will be the light of the world. I will be the salt. I'm not going to go your way. I will speak life even over a bad situation. God is with me. I'm going to stand up for God. For some of you, you're at a crossroads on being average. You've bought into the lie that you're average because everybody around you is average. Families average. Everybody else around you, their marriage is average. Their dating life is average. How they raise their children is average. How they're being a grandparent is average. Their, their love for God's average. Their serve is average. Their, their making a difference for God is average. And you've bought into this lie. I'm average. You are not average. God has created you for greatness. He wants to use your life to make a difference. Quit being like everybody else and realize that you're anointed and you're appointed and you're called to make a difference. I'm not going to be average. I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to stand up in my generation and make a difference. And Noah was the only blameless man in his generation. And Genesis chapter 15 verse 8 says this, it says this, it says this.
1: And Noah
0: found favor with God. Because whenever you'll stand up in your generation for God, God will mark your life with his favor. God will put his hand on your life in a heavy Way and you cannot accomplish big things for God without the favor of God, without the hand of God. Sir, stand up for God, ma'am, stand up for God, so that God can mark your life with His faith. I want you to see a second thing. A second thing number one, do not be afraid to stand up for God. Number two, do not be afraid to make a difference. You got to catch this do not be afraid to make a difference. In the New Testament, the scripture talks about the life of Noah. And it says this in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and seven others. You see, Noah spent 120 years building a boat and preaching to people, building a boat, preaching to people, building a boat and preaching to people. And first Peter says this about Noah in chapter three and verse 20. Those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Think about this. Noah preached for 120 years and nobody got saved except his family hundred and twenty years and nobody else got on that ark. hundred and twenty years of preaching and nobody else got saved as a preacher. That verse makes me feel good about myself. hundred and twenty years. Nobody gets saved. Noah's got to be thinking, I'm not making a difference. Even my fellas won't listen to me. I mean, the, 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 the fellas I grew up with. Man, look, I'm telling you, hey, Ray, Ray, hey, man, hey, hey, man. Hey, man, God told me to build this boat. He said something's going to happen. You better, man, you better turn to God. You know what they were doing? Laughing. at it. Noah's losing his mind. (laughs) Noah's on that stuff. Noah's on that stuff. (laughs) Noah's on on that stuff. Something's wrong with Noah. You over there building that boat. Noah's thinking, man, I'm not making a difference. Because oftentimes when you're making a difference, it does not look like you're making a difference. Oftentimes when you're making a difference, it can look like you're making a mess. I want you to think about Noah. You see, back when Noah was building this big boat, some of you didn't understand this. You're going to think when I say this, you're not even going to believe me when I say it. But listen to, listen to your pastor. Back in Noah's day, they didn't have a Home Depot. There was no Lowe's. You're going to think it's heresy when I say this, but there wasn't even a Walmart. (laughs) Wasn't there? so here Noah is trying to build a boat doesn't even have any tools, he's having to make his own tools, I mean will this tool work and Noah's trying to figure out the right tool to work, I mean how do I put together how do, what do I use to get these nails and how do I even make a nail and how do I get all this wood and Noah's trying to figure it out and man wood is laying everywhere, he's trying to figure out this building this boat, I mean there's wood, there's tools, some stuff is not even working because it's his first time trying to build a boat, it's just everywhere, wood and he's trying to figure out how do I build this boat man And and, and Noah's day just like our day, Noah man, he didn't have any instructions. You say, Pastor, well, we have instructions. How many of you are like your pastor that you open up stuff? Get the instruction manual, throw it away, and just put it together yourself, huh? Take you 10 days to do something that would take you 30 minutes if you didn't read the instructions. Noah didn't have no instructions. He's trying to build this boat, doesn't know how, and there's wood everywhere. There's tools everywhere. Noah's looking around, and it does not look like he's making a difference. It looks like he's making a mess. Because oftentimes, when you're making the greatest difference, you look around, and it's messy. How many know that life can be messy? How many know raising children can be messy? How many know being married can be messy? Don't say amen too loud. (laughs) Can be messy. Dating can be messy. Investing in your grandchildren can be messy. Working at your job can be messy. Going to school can be messy. Studying for that test can be messy. Leadership can be messy. Church life can be messy. And Noah made him up his mind that in the middle of the mess, I'm going to stay faithful to God and build this boat. And friends, can I tell you, because that one man stayed faithful to build the boat, he made a big difference in our world. Can I tell you, Noah made a difference for his family. The Bible says that his family got saved. he built the boat can I tell you it's worth it all if I can't win the world for Jesus Christ if I can just win my family it's worth it all I'm not giving up my family I'm building the boat for my family I'm walking in integrity for my family I'm gonna pray for my family I'm gonna read my Bible for my family not gonna win the world lose my family oh no it was worth it cuz he he saved his family how many of you at home have a pet just lift your hand if you have a pet all locations just lift your hands Come on, be proud. Some of you are down here like this. Come on, lift that hand up and be proud of your pet. Yeah. You got a pet at home. That's, that's not enough of you participating. So let me ask another question. How many of you like to eat meat? Raise your hand. Come on, where are you at? Come on, come on. Oh, yeah. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're just, oh, no, pastor, I don't eat meat. I just eat veggies. I'm a vegetarian. I'm still on the Daniel fast. Well, God bless you. I eat meat. I eat meat. I eat meat. And you better thank God for Noah. If it wasn't for Noah, all we would eat is seafood. And I thank God for fish and I like, I like, I like crab and I like shrimp, but sometimes my brother wants ribs, baby back. Come on, somebody. I want a steak medium. Sometimes I want some old country food, liver and onions. I will straight up eat some chitlins and a hog maws and some black-eyed peas, hey. You better thank God for Noah, getting them animals on them boats. But thank God because if it wasn't for Noah, seafood baby seafood. <laughs> but one man stay faithful to God. Can I tell you because of Noah? His obedience to God, he preserved the entire human race. We are here today because one man in the middle of a mess continued to build the boat and stay faithful to God and preserved the human Race. What I'm telling you, people's church, is life is messy, but stay faithful to build the boat. Because if you'll keep building the boat, you're making a bigger difference than you realize keep praying, keep reading your Bible, keep fasting keep walking in integrity, keep loving your spouse, keep investing in your kids, keep tithing and giving keep coming to church, keep serving God, keep loving people, keep making the right decisions because I'm telling you, if you keep building the boat, you're making a bigger difference than you realize, don't grow weary in well doing because in due season, at the proper time, you you will reap a harvest if you do not faint. Keep building the boat. Keep building the boat. Keep building the boat. And if you'll keep building the boat when it's messy, God will pour out his blessing. I made it up today. Amen. That's my language right there. He will bless your life. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Noah did not realize the difference he was making. When he was in the middle of the mess but can i tell you he would look over the balcony of heaven today and he would say you know what i didn't realize it but because i stayed faithful to build the boat i made a bigger difference than i realized and you may not realize it until a year from now five years from now ten years from now 20 years from now, you may not realize it until you get to heaven, but if you'll stay faithful to build the boat, you're making a bigger difference than you realize. Do not be afraid in the middle of the mess. Do not be afraid in the middle of the mess. Do not be afraid to build the boat. Number three is this. Number three is this. Number three is this. Do not be afraid to step out in faith. Do not be afraid to step out in faith. One of the most powerful things about Noah's life was he jumped over the hurdle of fear And he stepped out in faith. Scripture says Noah built this humongous boat that was taller than a four-story building, was as long and as wide as one and a half football fields. I've told you this before. It's true. Noah built the first Royal Caribbean cruise ship. He's a bad mama-jama. And so many people Miss out on God moving powerfully in their life because they allow fear to keep them from stepping out in faith. People sure don't allow fear of the past, fear of failure, or fear of people to keep you from stepping out in faith. Let me share this scripture with you in the New Testament about Noah. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says, It was by faith, by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. He obeyed God. What is God speaking to you about that you're hesitating instead of obeying? Maybe it's to forgive someone who hurt you. To let go of the grudge. Maybe it's to start the business. Maybe it's to give your best at school, student. Maybe it's to go to college or back to school, get your master's, your doctorate's degree. Maybe it's to apply for the job and you've been hesitant to apply. Maybe it's to ask her out on the date. Maybe it's to start tithing and giving. Maybe it's to serve in the kids' ministry, serve in the youth ministry. What is God speaking to you about? That fear has gripped your life. And you've got to jump over the hurdle of fear. Scripture says, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. The scripture says, things that had never happened before. You see, as you study commentaries, there are some scholars that believe that when Noah built this boat, he had no concept of rain. He didn't know what a flood was. So so he doesn't know what a flood is, but he just knows what God told him to do. And even though he didn't have all the details and under didn't understand how it would all work out, he built The boat in faith. And many people miss out on the big things God has for their life because they want to know all of the details. They want to know the outcome before they start taking steps of faith. But God will not give you the entire outcome. God will give you the next step. And Noah picked up his hammer and he started building the boat even though he didn't understand everything. Because that's faith. By faith, he built the boat. And God is speaking to you. Step out in faith. Quit letting fear dominate your life. Step out in faith. The scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And friends, if God has not given us a spirit of fear, where did it come from? It comes from the spiritual enemy. That spirit of fear that grips your life comes from the devil to stop you from moving forward, to stop you from the great things that God has for your life. It wants to paralyze you and to keep you from the great things God has for your life. Oh, but not Today, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we're coming against fear and people are going to be flooded with the power of the Holy Spirit and walk by faith and receive all of the promises that God has for your life. In 2020, that spirit of fear is not from your heavenly father. It is from the pit of hell. And somebody today is going to walk in freedom and walk in faith and experience what God has for your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All around this building and all of our campuses, I want you to boldly, if you say, Pastor, fear has been gripping my life. Fear has been stopping me. Fear has been keeping me from what God has for my life. I want to pray for you right there in your seat. Would you stand up right now? Fear's been holding you back. Come on, today's your day to walk in freedom. Fear's been holding you back. Fear's been holding you back. Come on, would you just stretch a hand towards heaven and begin to just ask God to set you free from fear? Come on, let's sing this song. Come on, come on, chains fall. Come on, God set us free. Set us free. Come on somebody's going to get free today to live out your purpose to live out your destiny Jesus you change everything come on call on the name of Jesus now Jesus you change everything Father, I thank you right now that fear is bowing to the name of Jesus. Thank you for setting people free from the spirit of fear today. I thank you for faith to move forward, faith to obey you, faith to step out, faith to do what you told us to do, faith to obey God. I thank you for faith to build the boat that you called us to build. I thank you that fear is dying and faith is coming alive in hearts today in Jesus' name. I pray.